invite you to be seated, and as you're seated, uh, I also invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, we gather together around your holy table on this day, as we do most Sundays, to hear a word from you, to sing our praises to you, and in hopes to be transformed just a little bit into your love in the world. So having heard your scriptures proclaimed, may we also hear a word from you today, and that meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Well, we're on week four of this series about gathering around the table and lessons that we can learn about it from the Bible. And we began by talking about the Passover meal, uh, one of the longest standing holidays within the world's traditions, and how it's there at the table that the Jewish people throughout the continued on into the celebration of communion for us as Christians, of remembering who we are around the table. That it's at the table that we learn more about our own identity and our place within the world. And then we moved on by talking about Jesus, who on the night of celebrating that Passover meal with his disciples, embodied not the role of a king or a leader that everyone was expecting, but instead he served. So we learned that we remember who we are at the table, and then that we serve the people that are at the table with us. And not just the normal ways that we give hospitality, but the go over and above to serve those who are with us. And then last week, we talked about how the table, the primary function of it, is to gather us together in unity with one another. That society has all sorts of ways that we are separated, and we learn from the Apostle Paul and the early church in Corinth that was separated by rich and poor and Jew and Gentile. And Paul was trying to make a way where the table wouldn't be divisive, but the table would unite us. And today we have an obscure scripture, and I'll say that. And there are a thousand ways to interpret the scripture reading this morning of the wedding banquet parable. That's the crazy thing about Jesus when he talks. He talks oftentimes not with simple, straightforward answers, but with mystical parables that can be interpreted in a variety of ways. But one of the things I, reasons I love it is just because of that. But every time you come to it, you can come to it with a different vantage point and you can learn from it. And so I know that there's some words of judgment that are there and there's some confusing stuff. And I'm just going to kind of set that on the shelf for a Bible study that you want to invite yourself to or perhaps a later dinner. And we won't go there all together right now. But in the context of gathering around the table, I believe that this parable of the wedding banquet, if we put ourselves within the perspective of those invited, teaches us not only about how we can come to a table with others, but also how we can come to accept the abundance of God's love for each of us. That the lesson of the, the wedding banquet can help us come to the table ourselves and teach us about accepting God's abundance. Because if you look at the parable, there's all sorts of different ways in which people are responding to this king's message that they're invited to this really important event, the king's son's wedding banquet. And you have those that are in the category that I probably find myself the first. This is the most empathetic read of this. So I'm on Sunday morning. I'm here. I chit chat with you. I love to engage. I love to like connect and to do all those things. But one of my least favorite things 
is going to parties that I'm invited to. It always has been. I don't know why. It's because I, I feel like I'm like going from one person and a snippet of conversation to another person. And I think in part of it, it's like, I just want to sit down and have a theological, philosophical conversation with someone. Hence, I'm, you know, went to divinity school later on. But, you know, I, I just find myself in my head. And so when a crowd gathers at, at like a party, I start to feel a little bit lost. I, I know like it might surprise you because I'm, I'm bubbling around on Sunday mornings, but I feel lost at parties sometimes. And so much so that when someone invites me to it, you know what my first instinct is? Is to look to Ashley and say, my wife, and say, do we, do we have to go to that? <laughs> is that something that we have to go? Because I, I, I just, part of me is this sort of like, uh, I don't know if I want to get myself out there. Let's just, let's just go over to dinner with some friends, right? I want to gather in that space. And so I imagine that some of the people that were wanting to go to, or that were invited to this wedding banquet were just like me, right? They're just, eh, it's not worth it. It's a big hubaloo, you know, like, it's just, let's not do this. But one of the things I've learned over my life is that I've grown more from some of the people who are completely opposite from me in this regard. My wife is definitely more of the, like, goes out to the parties and enjoys and talks with everyone, learns everyone's life stories. But I also think of two other people in college and then post-college. Their names were Eddie, and then the other was Luke when I was living in Japan. And for me, those people always kind of drove me nuts because they're always just like having fun all the time. They're just like, you know, riding on a skateboard and doing something crazy or, you know, just jumping off a, you know, giant cliff into the ocean. I mean, they're the, the, the free at heart type of people. And I'm thinking about all the things that can go wrong or all the ways in which, you know, the conversations we should be having. But I remember the time that, you know, Luke, when I was living in Japan, would invite me to things. And I would say to myself, well, ah, I don't know about that. Uh, but then he would go and he would, he would all of a sudden like invite a bunch of like friends over and none of us could really speak Japanese fluently enough to like really have these meaningful conversations that, you know, I like to have. And so, and then he would just like throw on music and then all of a sudden this like hangout with some Japanese friends would become like a dance party slash like skateboard session because we would get out like some skateboard equipment. And in and and, and those times, I remember them so vividly that they become the best times in my life, like some of the times where I remember the fun that we had there, and I never would have engaged in that fun because, uh, well, I just don't have, it's not that interesting to me right now, right? It's like, I mean, I'll, I'll just pass on that. And remember I said to you that the ways we're invited to a wedding banquet and the responses of these invitees also is reflectant upon how we accept God's love. How easy is it, too, just to say, uh, well, that's a good story and all, but I think I'm okay without it, right? Uh, I'm just going to go about my day-to-day, -day and I think that life is going good. You might find yourself in my camp, you know, one of those people that's just like, you know, uh, maybe not. But learning to accept the abundant love of God and learning to accept just the celebration of a wedding feast, I think is part of how God intends us to gather together and beyond. One of the things that is surprises, doesn't surprise, shouldn't surprise us is that God wants us to celebrate with one another and with God. 
There's multiple feasts throughout the Jewish tradition and feasts throughout the Christian year that are invitations for us to celebrate joyfully and ecstatically and free at heart with one another. That an invitation to the table ought to also be an invitation to celebrate with each other and to have fun. The first, uh, I mean, shoot, it's the first miracle in the Gospel of John. Does anyone know what it was? Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding so that those who are there might celebrate and enjoy the company of each other. God wants us to celebrate. So that's one of the ways in which people respond, I think, to this invitation of coming to the wedding banquet. Another one is plain simple, just written right there in the text. It's that they are just simply too busy. And so perhaps this is your uh, camp that you find yourself in, is that you just have way too much going on. That you can't prioritize a time to celebrate with friends or a time to celebrate the abundant blessings that God has for us because you're just, you know, trying to manage life and it's crazy and you're adding on to it and just you got your new job you got your kids that are starting all their programs you got your doctor's appointments and your friends gathering and, and just life is just so busy that we just go from point a to point b kind of like on repeat ready to go throughout the day that we don't slow down enough to enjoy those moments. We're going to talk more a little bit about this next week, about how the gathering around the table is a gathering of rest. But I think that so many of those people that were invited just were just, ah, more to do on the farm, or my business has stuff to attend to, that they miss out entirely on this opportunity to celebrate. And I think that I wonder for us, how many of us miss out on the opportunity to revel in the abundance that God has for us simply because we don't slow down enough for it? That we don't slow down to celebrate the love that God has given us in Jesus and to ponder it and to question it and to gather with others and celebrate around as well. So you might find yourself in that camp. Another camp that was completely foreign to me, because I didn't grow up in sort of a, um, you know, I was, I was middle class growing up, and another camp is, well, not with them. I'm not going to celebrate with those people, because at the beginning, you might find the people that were invited, most likely in the parable, were assumed to be the people that were rich, the nobles, coming to the king's wedding. But later on, they still don't come in the gospel story. They're still not finding their way at the wedding. And I wonder within that is that phrase, both good and bad came to this wedding celebration. I remember uh, when I was growing up, I, I, I mean, I just would kind of go to the parties that I was invited. It wasn't until I became a Christian, I fell into the Christian tradition and was in the small groups and the Bible studies. And I still had a number of friends that were, you know, the partiers, right? They were my hockey buddies and my other like uh, friends from my you know, previous life or whatever you say, but when they would gather for their parties, they would, you know, do things that, you know, they weren't supposed to be doing as adolescents in high school. And they would often invite me to those parties because they were my dearest friends. And I would find myself going to them only to hear my Christian friends at the church and the small groups I was part of saying, Brian, you're not supposed to go to those things. You know that? You're not supposed to be there. And I didn't understand it. I didn't understand it because to me, Jesus went to all the places that they didn't expect him to go. 
He went to the, the bars and he ate with the sinners and he was accused of being a drunkard and a sinner by association. And so for me to have these friends and to go there, I wasn't, you know, doing, I, was, I wasn't doing the things they were doing, but I was there hanging out with them and I was enjoying their company. And so to me, the idea of not with them was a totally foreign concept. And as I grow, I also, and I've learned from more about people, I know that there's different people within society just don't want to hang out with other people in society. That you got to go to the right parties to connect to the right people so that you can ha- you know, get the right promotions or be seen in the right way. And all of that is, is foreign to me, but I think that it's a real perspective that some people have. It's when you're invited to a get-together or invited to a party, you might calculate to yourself, well, who's going to be there? And is it going to profit me or is it going to hinder me? And God wants to invite all of us to the table. And we learned about that last week with the unity. It doesn't matter rich, poor, male, female, Jew, Gentile, all are one in the body of Christ. And all are welcome. That everyone, good and bad, sin or not, is welcome to the gospel feast. And this is good news for all of us, except for those of us that don't want to associate with those people. You might find yourself in the the fourth camp. And I think for many of us, sometimes this is the hardest, especially for experiencing God's love. And that is... Well, it's not for me, though. It's as the king sends out the, in the people to let them know that they're invited to the wedding feast. The response is, well, I, I'm not good enough to go. I'm not qualified. I don't have the caliber. I don't do the right things to be there at the party, to celebrate. Perhaps you're the one when you're invited to something always feels like you don't belong, right? Or that like everyone's looking at you and thinking something about you that, you know, oh, what am I wearing? What are you wearing? Or what's going on in your home life? Or whatever it is that you just feel like an outsider when you're invited to gather around the table. And that can carry over into how we might experience God's love. And so far that God gives it abundantly, no matter what, to each of us and calls us beloved. But we might not believe that for ourselves, that it's true for us, that there's something about us that's unforgivable, that's either secret and toxic, or we see it that way, that we don't believe that the abundant love of God is for us and steadfast. And we might read that last verse of the entire thing. Hear all the judgment that's like kind of like confusing in the gospel reading from this morning. That says, all are called, but only a few are chosen. And we might hear it as saying, that was talk, that, that's me in the story. I'm not really welcome at that table with those friends. And I don't know if I'm really welcome here at this one either. But one of the ways that I read that text, all are called and only few are chosen, is I read it within the framework of all of God's people are called. 
and look at the chosen ones throughout the Old Testament as the people of Israel. And how they understand that calling isn't because they have done something and merited something better than anyone else. That Abram and Sarai were called, and what made them the chosen people was simply that they responded to that call. That all of us are called, but we become chosen as we respond and accept that calling for us that we accept that God's grace is for us no matter what, and it's for you specifically with your bumps, your bruises, your cracks, your flaws, and you're welcome at the table. And that makes you, along with all of us, chosen by gathering, by choosing to celebrate, choosing to come to the table and believe that you have a seat. So I don't know where you find yourself. There's almost like four different lenses that you can read on this. At least I'm reading on this text today. And my question for you is, where do you find yourself? I think it encompasses many of us. As we gather together around tables and we celebrate, as we think about God's love abundantly given to us at the wedding feast, are you in the camp that just says, well, I got, you know, eh, I'd rather not. Are you just too busy that you can't even notice it? Are you just worried about who that might make you or how people might perceive you? Or you just think that deep down inside, you're not welcome here, not welcome at that table. Those are questions that we might walk away with, but the overarching proclamation for each of us is that you are all invited that God wants to celebrate with everyone, good and bad, rich and poor, to gather around the tables with one another and celebrate. And if we think about that within the context of our lives, think about the times in which you feel life, fullness of life when you're celebrating with friends, when you're you know, bringing out the roast and when you have a a glass of champagne and you give a toast to the people that you're celebrating alongside, those are some of the times in life that we remember the most. Those are some of the times in life that we, that stick with us, that help us feel the love of community. And God wants us to feel that for God's love as well. And so the hope of learning to gather around the table is to think about how people might have these different perspectives as they come, as they're invited to your table. And to know that they always have a place and they always feel welcome no matter where they stand and that we can never be too busy. We have to spend time with one another so that God's love might be found at the table with one another and might go out to the love around us in the community. So God is inviting each of us to that wedding banquet. All of us are called. Will you be a chosen one and respond to that call? To celebrate with God and God's love and to extend that to those around you. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you invite each of us to the table, to the wedding banquet where we are chosen and loved. 
We pray that we might extend that table to those around us, that to whom love is a stranger, they might find home, friendship, and joy at the table. And it's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, I want to invite our praise team forward as they lead us in a song of response.